Welcome in to another episode of the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. I'm here today with Will Cozine, and I think the NFL season is almost a month away. Um, This will be coming out on August 13th, and the NFL season, I think, kicks off on September 13th, so we're almost a month away, and I couldn't be more excited. But it feels like the NFL season, I'm going to make a quick comparison to a player um, and his fantasy outlook compared to the NFL season, COVID and everything. I think a great comparison would be Leonard Fournette. Because as the season gets closer, you kind of feel more comfortable taking Fournette if the Jaguars don't trade him. But it's always so gross to draft him and have him on your team. (laughs) And you never know, in the middle of the season, he could just up and be traded. And then your season would be over because you wasted a third or second round draft pick on Leonard Fournette. So it's kind of like the NFL season. You have a gross pick and you never know it could get canceled at any minute. It's kind of gross, but how do you think about that comparison, Will? Perfect comparison. We already saw the college football season got canceled, so draft picks in next year's draft are looking maybe a little less valuable because it's like you just don't know who you're getting with your picks, and this season might get canceled for the NFL. It's just crazy. Yeah, for sure. All right, so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about risers and fallers. So basically, risers and fallers are guys who are rising in our rankings and guys who are falling because of recent news and recent uh, training camp has just started, so recent actions in training camp. Um, And then we're also going to be covering QB My Guys. So let's get right into the news. Um, We have a lot of news. We didn't have much news on the last episode, but... Um, the first piece of news, Darius Geis turned himself in on a domestic violence charge. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, rumors and news on the Washington football team this offseason. They seem to always be in the press for bad things, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but let's focus on the fantasy outlook. Is this backfield any less murky? They have five guys now instead of six, I think. I don't think I'm going to rattle off the depth chart like I did last time, but it's still kind of murky. What do you think? Yeah, it seems like what can go wrong will go wrong with this team. It's I'm mostly avoiding the backfield. I guess there can be upside with some of the lesser-known guys like Antonio Gibson. I, for my strategy is I'm not taking anyone early in drafts, and I'll probably end up just taking whoever is like the latest, just maybe like a dart throw, because yeah. who knows with this backfield. It seems like they have two guys, maybe even three for each role. You have... Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber, both gross option as the incumbent, or I guess the projected first and second down rushers. And then you have J.D. McKissick and I guess Antonio Gibson as the presumed third down, like, uh, what is it, like Swiss, Swiss Army Knife backs. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, it could work for them as a team. It's really difficult to choose one in to put on your fantasy team. I might put Gibson on my team because I think he has the highest ceiling or Adrian Peterson because he might start week one, and if I don't go running back heavy, I need a quick start. It's just kind of gross, though. Um, Let's move on to the second piece of news. (laughs) Veteran who just won't leave the league, Lamar Miller, has signed with the New England Patriots. Uh, We talked last week or during our mock draft about Damian Harris and his outlook, maybe getting uh, in on that starting role with the Patriots. But I think Lamar Miller's um, addition is kind of like they want to... I, I don't think they would add Lamar Miller without wanting to put him into the game plan. And I think this is probably... like I don't think anybody was going to draft Damian Harris or nobody's going to be that disappointed that he's not going to get into this team from a fantasy outlook. 
Um, this is definitely more of an infringement on Sony Michelle's carry load, though. Yeah, I compare this Patriots backfield with the 49ers from last year, where like every back has their own skill set, and it could change weekly. Like One week, Sonny Michelle might get 20 carries for 76 yards and two touchdowns, and the next week he might get five carries, and Lamar Miller gets like 15 carries and three catches. So I, I see it like that, except also it's just not as good of a rushing offense as the 49ers. So it's like the same situation, committee style, variable week to week, but then also lacking the upside. So for me, it's kind of a total avoid. It's a complete avoid. And I was like kind of rising on Michelle a tiny bit if he were to be the starter because like the Cam running backs, it would just open a lot with Cam as the quarterback, but I'm completely off of it now. Um, Our third piece of news Rookie receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, Brian Edwards, could be has a, received a lot of buzz as the presumed starter in Week One on the outside alongside Tyrell Williams. I think he was a third round pick. I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah. And this is kind of confusing because a lot of people thought Henry Ruggs would be outside. He played a lot outside of Alabama, but I think they're going to use Henry Ruggs as basically a do it all type guy. He could line up in the backfield in the slot, throw him screens. They just want to use him in any way possible because of how quick and how talented he is. But I think that this, because they're going to move Ruggs into the slot, this probably takes Hunter Renfro out of the game plan. I mean, a guy who needs a lot of volume to be relevant. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Renfro was like a dart throw before this news, and he's probably just undraftable now. With a guy like Brian Edwards, though, he's a really talented player, and the Raiders seem to really like him. And when you look at rookie receivers having breakout seasons, the the first thing that they need is to have a secure role. Where we saw that with McLaurin became the number one in Washington last year, and Metcalf became the number two in Seattle. A.J. Brown became the number one in Tennessee. So if you look at Brian Edwards, is there a chance he becomes number one? Like, Tyra Williams is a good player. He's not like a elite option. And... Edwards has is probably the number two right now. He has a chance to surpass him if he's good enough. And at the very least, he's a solid number two in the offense. Probably not good enough in a Las Vegas offense, but he's definitely worth monitoring. Yeah, I did hear a quote that Derek Carr thinks they're going to go the distance this year. But I don't know about that. But it should be interesting to yeah. see what this offense does for sure. Um, let's move on to our next piece of news. Le'Veon Bell uh, has been working out with a renowned boxing trainer to improve his footwork and endurance um will you're a jets fan you want to speak on this yeah so i saw this news last night and at first i was like okay why does this matter and like there's always hype around people doing different kinds of crazy workouts some player does kung fu and thinks he's the next jamal (laughs) but but i think this is actually a big deal with Le'Veon bell just because last year we saw he looked really gassed towards the end of Mm -hmm. games and he would get like a bunch of two-yard carries, and they really just didn't feel comfortable running the ball. The Jets really struggled to close games when they were ahead, especially at the end of the year when they actually had some leads. If this training, which from all reports is mostly endurance-focused and also just footwork-focused, if he can improve that endurance, that could be a real benefit for Le'Veon Bell. Probably, like, probably not enough to like make a huge jump in the rankings, but maybe he takes a step forward this year for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does. I have like, I have him ranked pretty high in my rankings because of the opportunity um, that he has there. I mean, I don't expect Frank Gore to take a lot of his carry work away, 
but you never know with Adam Gase. Um, but Le'Veon Bell's talent, it, it wasn't as good as it has been in years past. Last season, I mean, he averaged, what was it, 3.2 on the ground, a carry. But yeah. let's hope that he uses this offseason to get into great shape or stay in great shape or whatever it is, and he bounces back for sure. Yeah, he had a really disappointing year last year, but one thing we know is the volume is going to be there for him. So if he can improve the efficiency, um, he could be a solid option this year, especially with an improved offensive line. It's hard to get worse than it was last yeah. year. So there's definitely some hope for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, and then we've we've uh, focused on some of the opt-outs because of coronavirus um, in the skill positions, such as Devin Funches. Um, Damian Williams, but let's focus on some of the offensive linemen because while we don't have offensive linemen on our teams, they directly affect the players such as our running backs, our quarterbacks, um, and their outlook on fantasy. So some of the notable uh, opt-outs, Juwan James uh, with the Broncos, uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, God, that's a mouthful, with the Kansas City Chiefs, Marcus Cannon with the Patriots, Marcus Gilbert with the Cardinals, and Nate Solder with the Giants. Um... We can go through these guys. What do you think? How do you think they affect their uh, offenses? Yeah. So for I think all of them except for I want to say Marcus or uh, Duvernay Tardif are tackles, um, and tackles have a much bigger impact in the passing game than in the running game. So I think with for the Chiefs, the running game it's mostly zone focused, and you can kind of plug and play. So I'm not really concerned about. They also assigned Kletchios Mele, who's not as good as Duvernay Tardif, but still is decent. Yeah, um, Juwan James for the Broncos. That's a real concern. Um, Drew Locke was not good under pressure last year, and if he is under more pressure, that could be a huge issue. Their offensive line looked improved in the off season, but uh, maybe maybe it won't be. And for the Patriots, Marcus Cannon being out is unfortunate. Uh, he was a really good player last year. Definitely just hurts their overall offense. Gilbert for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray is going to be blitzed over and over again endlessly the next year, just like he was this past year. So that's unfortunate for him. And then Solder for the Giants, he hasn't been that good. I don't know who they're going to replace him with. I know they have Thomas on one side. Maybe they shift him to left tackle. There definitely some concern for the Giants as well. Yeah, do you think Marcus Gilbert's um, missing the season or opt-out will affect Kenyon Drake at all? I don't think it shouldn't. Uh, he's he's never been known as a great run blocker. He was uh, Ben Roethlisberger's right tackle for a long time in Pittsburgh, keeping him safe. So it's just it's more of a pass protection thing, and I think, but. Maybe it hurts the run game, too. I'm not going to downgrade Kenny Drake because of that. Okay. Let's move... Or Actually, let me touch on one more piece before we move into the risers and fallers. Um, this isn't about fantasy, but one of my favorite shows uh, that happens every year is premiering tonight, Hard Knocks. And my team is on it this year. Go Chargers. Um, I'm really excited to tune in. Uh, excited to see Justin Herbert get some reps. And excited to hear Anthony Lynn curse out uh, all our running backs. So, yeah, it should be fun. Are you excited? To, are you going to tune in? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I've always been a big proponent. I love Justin Herbert as a person, but I don't think he should start this year. I'm worried that with like all the hard knock spotlights, maybe there's gonna be some added pressure to like put him in there like longer in the preseason. There's just gonna be a lot of pressure on Tyrod Taylor especially. So I'm hoping he's he's a professional, I think he can handle yeah. it, but that's gonna be an interesting development to follow. I mean, I feel like they do teams every year that have some quarterback controversy. It adds to yeah. uh, they did the Browns the other year and um, the Rams with Goff, it's kind of cool 
to see that because I don't think Herbert will win the job, but there will be some scripted controversy to make it look like he has a tight oh, yeah. like chance at the job. It'll be fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I'll be tuning in tonight, seven seven p.m. Pacific time for sure. Uh, okay, let's get into the risers and fallers. I already explained it a bit uh, earlier. Um, Will, why don't you start with your first riser, the guy that you have been putting up in your rankings recently? Yeah, so I've been rising on James Conner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think I was falling into the trap that I did last year, where I was like, okay, I'm not sold on James Conner, the talent, and I saw last year Jalen Samuels. I was like, I like this guy. He's a good pass catcher. I think Conner is going to be phased out over the course of the year. And the Steelers' offense was horrible, but like we really didn't see that. And going into this year, I was kind of doing the same thing, except with Anthony McFarland and some of the other backs having different roles. And I just... James Conner has been a workhorse back. He's been good at it. And I'm not going to bank on a, on a fourth, fifth-round rookie to be the reason he slides in my rankings. I think I was just overreacting to their draft pick. I think Conner has a pretty safe workload in an offense that should be much improved this yeah, year. Yeah, I agree. I don't have any uh, arguments to that. I think James Conner is a decent pick. I'm not really targeting the running backs in those rounds, but I have no qualms with James Conner. My first riser is Michael Gallup. We've touched on Gallup and the Cowboys situation a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, Will has been favoring Gallup, or not putting Gallup over Cooper in his rankings, but favoring Gallup for Cooper. I don't know if I said that correctly. Like, like, like at his, at his right. ADP, like. I prefer, I prefer to take Gallup where he is than Cooper where he Yeah, is. and we saw, like, Michael Gallup's a very talented wide receiver, and he's working mm-hmm. to improve his game even more. Um, on a per-game basis, Michael Gallup out-targeted Amari Cooper, and we know Amari Cooper um, struggled with uh, injury issues last year and was basically used as a decoy in his last eight, seven or eight games. But we can't... I mean, he's kind of earned an injury-prone tag and, I mean, guys in the NFL yeah. get hurt all the time, but it's different with Cooper. We see him getting hurt every year and being inconsistent. Um, I think the Cowboys will throw the ball a lot this year. Some people have said that they might cut down on those throws, but their defense has a lot of holes in it. The past defenses in that division are not great. You have the Eagles, the football team, and the Giants. And yeah. – um, I just think that Gallup is going to be a great option. I don't think CeeDee Lamb infringes. We talked about – there's not much to – we've covered this a lot. Randall Cobb's targets um, are gone. There's a lot of vacated targets. I think Michael Gallup is talented, and he has the opportunity. Those are the two things you're looking at, especially with a sleeper receiver. He's going much later than I think he should be in drafts, and you should definitely swoop up that uh, value. Yeah, just the more I think about it, like the more I yeah, think about it and the more I analyze the situation, it just – I keep on moving Gallup up my rankings, and who knows the high level. Yeah, I mean, right when I mean we were both watching the draft, and I think I texted you right when they picked CeeDee Lamb, and I was like, damn it, damn it. Yeah. But it's honestly kind of a blessing in disguise, because Gallup yeah. was higher than he is now, and I don't think his situation has changed that much. So mm-hmm. I was mad at first because I was really high on Gallup. I thought he could maybe even become the one this year, um, but I still think he'll have a lot of value. Let's move on to your second riser. Yeah, so my second riser is another running back. This time it's DeAndre Swift, who I have kind of in the range of Kareem Hunt. But, like, I was concerned because I saw the Washington, or not Washington, Detroit backfield as a committee with him and Carrion Johnson. But Carrion Johnson can't stay healthy. And as much as I loved Carrion Johnson coming out of college, DeAndre Swift is a better player. He's yeah. a better pass catcher, I think. And he's just more explosive as a runner. And... 
I'm pretty high on the Detroit offense this year, and I think there's pretty considerable touch, touchdown upside with DeAndre Swift. And if he becomes like the workhorse back, he could have tremendous value in that offense. Yeah, I think this is kind of like um, a league winner pick. It's kind of tough mm-hmm. to justify drafting DeAndre Swift. I think if you get some good running backs to start the draft off, it's easier to take that hit because, well, we both think he's better than Carryon Johnson. Carryon Johnson is still a talented running back who has dealt with injury in the past. So I think Swift starts in a timeshare with Johnson. I think that he will either beat out Johnson because of the talent or because Johnson gets hurt. So I think come week four, week five, week six, you're going to have a pretty good running back on your hands if you take DeAndre Swift. It just might take um, more time than some of the running backs going in that range for him to get that lead role. Yeah, it's kind of like a Miles Sanders situation from last year, but to a lesser degree, because I think Karyon Johnson is maybe a little bit better than Jordan Howard was, and I think that DeAndre Swift is not as good as Miles Sanders is. But it's like it's going to be an ongoing development. He could be a guy where you don't draft him, and you try to trade for him after like a couple of disappointing weeks, but that's risky, because if he goes off early, then you're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but... He's someone where there's, there's risk involved. If you have the early running backs, you can afford to take him. If you don't go early running backs, then I prefer Kareem Hunt in the same range because he has more safe floor than DeAndre Swift. But I like the upside of uh, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, okay, so my second riser is uh, a, one of the most talented receivers in the league, and he has been for his whole career. A.J. Green for the Bengals. Um, I mean, it's been a long time since A.J. Green has played a full season, right? And last year he didn't play one game at all. But they signed him to the franchise, or he signed the franchise tag, rather. So they want to bring him back. He wants to be back. And I think that we can all agree that even though we haven't seen Joe Burrow play one NFL game, his output this year will be better than Andy Dalton's was last year, Um, even though Green wasn't playing. And maybe that was one of the reasons why Andy Dalton wasn't as good. Um, But I, I really like A.J. Green's opportunity and where he's being drafted. I don't expect him to play 16 games. He's 33 years old, I believe, and he has been dealing with injuries for many years. Um, but you don't need to play. You don't need him to play 16 games to have value for your team. He's going to be great whenever he's on the field. And there have been uh, reports from camp that he's looking like he's looked four years ago when he was a top five receiver in the NFL. I love the talent. I don't need him to play 16 games, and I love the ADP. What do you think, Will? Yeah, he's, to me, a product of everyone really just undervaluing the Bengals' offense as a whole. Because last year, it was bad. The team was horrible. But the offense looks much improved. The offensive line's improved. They have more receiving weapons. I think they have a better quarterback. And the one thing that hasn't really changed, though, is their defense is still garbage. So there just going to be a ton of passing opportunities for this offense. And I think A.J. Green, when healthy and on the field, is the clear number one. So I love that choice by you. Yeah. All right, let's move on to your third one. Yeah, so my third guy is going to be Calvin Ridley. We've talked about him a pretty good amount. But I just don't think I had him as high as I should have him. He just keeps flying up the boards for me because he's he's a combination of safety and upside where he's the clear number two in Atlanta. It's going to be one of the top three or four passing volume offenses in the entire NFL. The running game is not great. And the number three receiver is like Russell Gage. Yeah. So it's pretty secure between those two guys. Maybe Hayden Hurst takes a step forward in his development, but I think it's mostly those two guys. And then he he, like, he has touchdown upside. He's always been great at getting touchdowns. And then if Julio Jones were to get hurt, he's 32 years old. I'm not going to say he's injury prone because he's not. But if Julio Jones were to get hurt, Ridley becomes an instant wide receiver one, tremendous 
value, but I don't think you need an injured Julio Jones for Ridley to be a top 12, 13, 14 receiver. Yeah, I think that's his ceiling. I think top 12, top 13, even top 10 is probably his ceiling because of the touchdown, because of the offense that he's in with a great quarterback like Matt Ryan, and because of how iffy that defense is in the game scripts that they're, they're going to be in. So I, I love, I have nothing against Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't rank him as high as top 12 in my rankings because I think that that is his ceiling. We have never seen him do it. Regard That may be because he has been hurt in years past or he's been younger. And I think that this is probably, I mean, he's getting better every season. And I really don't want him to get hurt. I don't want to project injury for any player, especially Calvin Ridley, a guy who's a very young talent who I love as a talent and as a fantasy asset. Um, I don't have anything against that. I just have like confidence in guys as wide receiver ones above Calvin Ridley. Like I don't think it would be hard for me to feel comfortable with Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver one coming out of the draft. I mean, it obviously yeah. is team dependent, depends on who I've taken above him, but let's say you're probably taking Calvin Ridley in the third or back to the third, top of the fourth round, right? And yeah. um, that probably means if he's a wide receiver one, you have two very good running backs and maybe even one good tight end. Um, and if that's the case, I'm not mad at it. And if you're going to go wide receiver depth, there's a lot of guys that we really like in the fifth, sixth round. So I don't hate that. I'd rather have a guy like Robert Woods as my wide receiver one in that position because he offers a way more consistency than Ridley, a guy who we've seen do it on a year-to-year basis. Uh, He's 29 now. I still think he's at the peak of his game. And you can't put a guy down before you see him decline, like, it's like the AJ Green when he was in his prime, people started to say, "Well, he's gonna." I mean, he did start declining with injuries and with a little bit of talent, but you can't start to put him down in decline before you see that. Yeah, totally makes sense. I think my only concern with Ridley is, like, in the same range, there are some guys that are better players than he is, and you're mostly drafting him based on opportunity. So if something were to happen, I don't know what that would be. That would hurt his opportunity, then I'm not sure his talent is good enough to win out. Like maybe if they become way more run heavy, which I don't project, but if they did, Ridley isn't necessarily talented enough to overcome that. So that'd be my only concern. But if they pass as much as I think they will, I think he'll be well, great. Okay. Other than Mike Evans, let's see, let's look at the wide receivers that are going in that range at the wide receiver one. Other than Mike Evans, all these guys are number wide, number one wide receivers on their team. I'm arguing Mike Evans isn't because of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. You can argue who's the one there. Yeah. But Allen Robinson, you know that he's going to get 150 plus targets, right? I know yeah. you don't have Ridley above Allen Robinson, but I'm just going to go through the list. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster, we don't know exactly where the target share is going because he's one year removed from playing with Roethlisberger, but he's going to be the one on that team. We know that, and he's moving back into the slot. Um, Robert Woods again. I know I'm probably a little bit higher than you on him. And I just think the Rams' offense is going to have to throw a lot. And I think that Robert Woods will be... I don't think they'll have to throw as much as Atlanta. But this is the worst defense that they've had in some time. And uh, this is the worst running back core they've had in a long time. I know that we're going to preach scheme over the personnel. But when you have to come back in games, I don't think you want to throw the ball to Daryl Henderson Jr. Tell me if I'm wrong with that one. But... We see Cooper Cup, a guy who's going to get a lot of targets as well. He's not going to be on the. F- he wasn't on the field as much as Robert Woods was when they favored the two tight end set. That's 
we could see that could be changed, and maybe we'll watch that on Hard Knocks, and they'll talk about that. That could be cool. But maybe we see Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup make the shift to the outside and be an every-down receiver like he's probably talented enough to be. Um, but I think the targets are so consistent with Robert Woods, the catches, the talent, maybe not the touchdowns, but if you need a guy in PPR, I think it's Robert Woods. Yeah, certainly fair. I have Ridley and Woods neck and neck, and over the course of the offseason, maybe they swap places. Who yeah. Knows? Okay, so my last riser uh, is Mike Gesicki, tight end for the Miami Dolphins. And uh, the two dropouts that we haven't covered are Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns. Um, and those guys didn't have any fantasy relevance at all by themselves. But what they do have is they infringe on other players. It happens in a lot of other teams as well, and it happens in the Dolphins for sure. We saw that Mike Gesicki started to go off once Preston Williams got hurt. But you take two guys away who are probably combining for at least 100 targets from a very predominant um, passing quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Mike Gesicki's going to have to get targets. And I think he's a talented, talented tight end. I think this offense will probably be better than last year, um, and they have a better offensive line. It's looking better. I think Gesicki's a great late-round option for sure. Yeah, he's one of those guys where we don't know exactly what kind of player he is, but he has definitely the chance to be an upper echelon tight end. He has all the physical traits. He's like top, like percentile speed. He killed uh, the combine. Catch radius height. Yeah, just a physical monster. And there's definitely upside with guys like that for sure. Yeah. All right, let's move on to your first follower. So my first follower is Leonard Fournette. We brought up him earlier, and just like he's just a gross draft pick. And when I'm drafting a running back in that range, I don't necessarily need them to be like the safest pick, but there's just so much risk with Fournette where the team doesn't like him, he doesn't want to be there, he's on a garbage offense that should be throwing a lot and not running the ball a lot because they're going to be down because their team is horrible, and then he's not going to get the passing down work because Chris Thompson's there. So, like, let's say there's a game where uh, the Jaguars are down 20 nothing in the second quarter. You're going to have Chris Thompson playing every yeah, single time. Yeah, and that's definitely possible with, their, back in the with game. their roster. That could happen multiple yeah. times this year. Like, Fournette might just get scripted out of, like, half the team's yeah. games. Like, there's just so much risk with a guy like that. So little consistency. He's someone that I really want no yeah. part of, and he just keeps on falling. You can also ranks. never count on his off-field antics to be positive. He's dealt with suspensions exactly. before. So he could be game scripted out of four games and script himself out of two <laughs> other games. You just It's a tough situation. I mean, if he plays 16 games, he could be a running back one. You know, like he could, could have be. 300 carries in in this offense. Like that's definitely, it's probably not likely, but we saw it last year. Um, they, they're probably a worse team than last year, even though they were very bad. Um, and they did add Chris Thompson, like you said, but it's so gross to draft him. I think for me, I'm not rising on him at all, but as the season gets closer and as he's still on this team and he's the presumed running back one, I I don't ever want to draft him, but it's less and less gross as it gets closer to the season. He's still on the team, you know? All right, let's move on to my first follower, Todd Gurley. Um, I, I actually drafted Todd Gurley in my mock draft, and I I can't believe I did this. And when I went back and watched it, I actually took him over Mike Evans. I don't think that was a smart pick because it ended up killing my wide receivers. I think there's some other wide receivers I would have taken him over, maybe like a Cooper Cup or a Robert Woods at that date. But... Um, for him to be taken over Mike Evans, that was not smart. Um, let's get into why I'm falling on Todd Gurley, though. The opportunity is there. 
But for a running back that you're drafting in the third round, you need both talent and opportunity. And I, it might be difficult to hear for a guy who is the, one of the highest paid running backs in the league, but Todd Gurley has declined in talent. It's apparent because last year he was running the same amount of routes as he usually does in a normal season, but the ball was not being thrown to him. And he was in game scripts where it required the ball to be thrown. So that was the, that. we like to blame that on Jared Goff, but you can't put all the blame on Jared Goff when he's throwing the ball to other very talented guys. So Todd Gurley might get more um, like targets this season with Matt Ryan, but I think the talent has declined a little bit. And well, he's played um, full games or full seasons in the last few years. Health is an issue with that knee. Um, it's kind of gross. Like I, I think now I might take James Conner over him. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. His upside is there if he gets the touchdowns, but when I'm drafting an RB two, RB three, maybe you're like, he, you want him to like be good week in week yeah. out. And if he doesn't get a touchdown, he is not going to like win you any weeks. And he definitely has the chance to like lose you weeks. Um, I feel like he's a he's a good player. I think he's he gets trashed a little bit too much in the media, and he's been healthier than he gets credit for. But there's there's still a lot of risk with him. He's in a pass happy offense, and if the touchdowns aren't there, he could grossly underperform his underperform his ADP. So again, I think it's just another yeah. gross pick. I mean, it feels yeah. like a lot of those running backs who used to be at the top of the fantasy drafts have dropped. Like you have James Conner, who used to be a first round pick. Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, all used to be first-round picks, and now they're in the third, fourth yeah. round. Their situations have changed for the most part, and it's kind of just gross to take them. Um, I think I was higher on Todd Gurley because I, I really love the opportunity in Atlanta. I don't think any other back. They have Brian Hill, um, Quadre Olison, I think, a few other guys, but I don't think any yeah. of those guys are really going to infringe on Todd Gurley. I mean, he's still a talented guy, but I don't think he's as talented. I mean, the Rams are still paying him money. But they don't want him on the team, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it, it's tough. I I'm just cooling on him, and it's in favor of other guys too. So let's move on to your second follower. Yeah, my second follower is Juju Smith-Schuster, which is unfortunate because I love him as a player, and he's he was one of my biggest risers a while back. But it's kind of like an overall theme where all these guys are guys that. I love the talent of, but I was like overlooking their opportunity in favor of like their talent. Yeah. And he's a guy where he hasn't stayed healthy, so that's a concern. He is very talented, but the offense is a big unknown. And where Juju's currently going in drafts, you're drafting him as your wide receiver one. And for me, there's just too much risk for him to be drafted there. Like, there's a, certainly a chance where he is a top five receiver this season, where he gets, like, 100 catches, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. But all the guys in that range have, like, that kind of upside for the most part. Yeah. And most of them don't have all the risk and baggage that's attached to Juju Smith-Schuster, where we saw a horrible year last year, albeit he didn't have Ben Roethlisberger, but maybe he isn't as good as we thought he was. Maybe that year was – his breakout year was an outlier. So – I still love him as a player. I think he should be great this year. But just compared to the guys around him, I've just been fading him. Yeah, I mean, we saw Ben Roethlisberger sustain two wide receiver ones with Antonio Brown and Juju. But we haven't seen Juju be great without Antonio Brown. I know we had a Ben Roethlisberger-less season. But 
I, Juju has to prove it to us. We can't just give him yeah. the title as a top 10 receiver in fantasy before he proves it. Um, Deontay Johnson's a good player. He's nowhere close to the player that Antonio Brown was when he was with Pittsburgh. And it's going to... Uh, well, the, the focus of defenses was on Brown when Juju was in the slot. And that's not going to be the case this year. They're going to focus a lot of their attention to guarding Smith-Schuster in the slot. Um, he's moving back to his preferred position, so that could help. And the other thing I want to touch on is Ben Roethlisberger is 38 years old. Um, he's coming off a shoulder injury. I want him to be as good as he used to be. I really do, for Juju's sake, for that whole team's sake. But I think the Steelers might move. I mean, they have four pretty good running backs now. You know, I think James Conner is going to be the lead back. But I expect McFarland... Uh, Benny Snell Jr. and Jalen Samuels to be uh, included in that offense to an extent. I don't think it'll infringe on Connor, but I think it could take some pressure off of, off of, Roethlis- off of Roethlisberger. Also, that defense is top five in the league, probably. Yeah. It's so They're, they're going to be playing good. pretty slowly, and they're relying on defense a lot. So you're not going to see the big, gaudy offensive numbers that Roethlisberger put up when he had to. Yeah, exactly. Because now he doesn't really have to. He's two years removed from uh, leading the NFL in, I think, yards, and he threw for 35 touchdowns. There's no way he has to do that with this defense. And I don't think he has the pieces to to even reach those marks. It's not a, a, like, infringement on his talent. I think he's still, I hope he's still talented. I don't think they want, like, if he throws that many passes, this might be his last year, the last year of his career. You know, they might want to save him. They don't really have an adequate backup, and they have good running backs. So I think they'll favor uh, those running backs and favor winning the games with their defense. Um, Let's move on to my my second follower, I think. Um, Yeah, um, I'm going to – Nick Chubb is my second follower. Uh, This might come as a surprise because he's still a running back one, and I think he's still a running back one. And I think this is kind of like the Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper situation, but in terms of running backs – um, if Kareem Hunt never was uh, accused or did this d- domestic violence, and that was terrible, like we don't want to uh, encourage that at all. But if that never happens, he's probably a first round running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? A first round fantasy yeah. pick for the Kansas City Chiefs if that never happens. And that talent hasn't been removed by that accident or by that uh, terrible thing that he did. Um, yeah. So I think, and he's a very talented guy, I think he'll be on the field a lot in big situations, um, big downs, and there's a stat that he had the same amount of top 24 finishes once he got into the, after his eight-game suspension, as Nick Chubb did in a 16-game in a 16-game season. We saw once uh, Kareem Hunt came into that lineup, Nick Chubb's finishes were outside of the top 24, and it, I don't, it is not good to look at the last eight games when you're putting outlook for a whole season, but the last eight games had the full personnel for the Browns for Nick Chubb. So we need to look at that where we can't just look at a Browns team without Kareem Hunt. It's that's just not, we can't do that. And I think that they will be in game strips that will force them to pass the ball. I think that if I were ranking based off of talent, Nick Chubb would be a top five running back. He's so talented, right? But they have two very talented running backs, and I think Kareem Hunt will get his share of uh, the work, and that'll be taken away from Nick Chubb. Yeah, we saw Kareem Hunt last year when he came back from his suspension was getting a lot of the red zone work, which was really surprising to me at least because Nick Chubb is a big bruising back, and that's kind of what he's one of the things he's good for. So that was concerning. And then the other thing is, like, let's say Nick Chubb, I don't know, like, twists his ankle and misses a game. And Kareem Hunt just goes off in that game. 
it's not going to mean Chubb's no longer involved, but maybe it becomes even more of a committee once the Browns see what Kareem Hunt can do when he's given the opportunity. So I still love Chubb. If he stays healthy, I still think he's a pretty good fantasy option, but there is quite a bit of risk that has to be baked into his ADP, and currently I don't think it is. So I totally agree he should be falling in rankings. Yeah, and we saw the uh, number of red zone or five-yard carries to the amount of touchdowns, and it doesn't correlate. Nick Chubb had like 20-plus inside the five carries and like five rushing touchdowns because of that. So those should that, sh- that metric shouldn't correlate. Um, but maybe Nick Chubb isn't as talented as we thought he would be on the goal line because they started to favor Kareem Hunt on the goal line. It also could be put on the offensive line, which has improved in this year. Um, so that's there too. But maybe the I mean, maybe the uh, Browns are going to favor Kareem Hunt on the goal line for Nick Chubb because of those statistics last season. Yeah, and then last thing is like, in the in the event that the Browns decide to like trade Kareem Hunt, um, because it's it's kind of hard to justify keeping a guy like that not in a workhorse role. If they do trade a guy like that or trade Cremont, then Chubb becomes top Yeah, and Chubb sure. can like catch passes. We've seen him do it. He's just not at the same level as Cremont, in my opinion. All right, yeah. let's move on to your faller. And this is your last one. Okay, my last faller. And actually, I have two guys, but they're kind of the same situation. Um, it's with Odell Beckham Jr. and Mike Evans. And they're two of the most talented receivers in the entire NFL, which is, I think, why I had him so high. But the upside is really capped with these two guys, where in Cleveland, you have Odell and Jarvis Landry, and they're both getting a lot of targets, but those two are in a very run-heavy offense. And, like, how much upside really is there for Odell Beckham Jr.? Even if Landry gets hurt, it's just, it's it's tough to draft a number one, a receiver as your number one guy, or even maybe, like, a upper-tier number two guy, if they're in a run-heavy offense. Like, it's tough. Like, last year, Thielen and Diggs both went pretty early, but they both relatively disappointed because that Vikings offense was so run-heavy. Yeah. Even though they had two great receivers. And that should compare to this Browns team because Stavansky's there now. Exactly. Like, so like, even though they had two great receivers in that Vikings offense, they weren't great fantasy options because they were running the ball so much. It didn't matter that the third guy was OBC Johnson. Yeah. So I see a very similar situation in Cleveland. And then with Tampa Bay, you're kind of drafting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin based on what they did last year with Jameis Winston doing a million passes and chucking up deep balls. Tom Brady's not that kind of quarterback. He's going to he's gonna play it much more safely, but the overall volume is going to decrease. So probably one of Chris Godwin or Mike Evans is going to have a monster year. I don't think both can. I don't think Brady can sustain two number one receivers. So... I'm kind of fading Mike Evans because I think at the moment Chris Godwin's a better player. So I just I have a lot of concern about those two guys and their situations, despite the fact that I still think they're immensely talented. Okay, let me touch on Mike Evans first. Um, I agree. I don't think we're going to see the same seasons at all from both those guys. Like Chris Godwin was, was the number two receiver in fantasy, and Mike Evans was a great piece. I don't think we'll see the same exact output because Brady's there and they won't throw the ball as much. But with Mike Evans, at least, he has had like a career – uh, reception percentage of below 60%. And we know he's a talented receiver, a very, probably top five talented receiver, arguably. Yeah. And with Brady, that per- that reception will go up because he's a more accurate quarterback. Um, the volume will decrease because he's not going to be chucking the ball downfield as much, but it, it could be countered by the amount of receptions that will be catchable. Yeah. There's, there's still upside with Mike Evans, but 
when you're drafting a number one receiver, and that's where Evans is going. He's like the wide receiver eight, I think, in ADP. He has to be like an every week, lock him in, matchup proof kind of guy. And I think there are scenarios where he might get, like, not be that number one guy. And there's just too much concern for me to make him like that high of a draft I agree pick. with that. And then my last point on Odell and Jarvis Landry, and I was trying to make this point to you on the Explain Yourself uh, portion of last <laughs> episode with Jarvis Landry. I think that I have him below a lot of those guys because I'm just not confident in that offense. And I, like we were talking about the, the target share consolidation and it's not as consolidated as we think it is, even though the third receiver is Damian Ratley. And I think they will run the ball a lot. I hope Baker Mayfield makes another a leap and maybe he will with kitchens gone, but I, I don't see it. I really don't. And I, they have two great running backs and also cream, cream hunt has been taking a lot of meetings with the wide receiver run or with the wide receiver room. And I think he could infringe on Landry and Beckham's targets. So there, there there's that as well. Yeah. Well, the one reason, the reason I have, I like, I'm, I like Landry this year and I don't like Beckham at their current ADPs is because you have to draft Beckham as like a wide receiver one, whereas Landry is going so far late in drafts where if you have him as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, you're not going to feel bad about it, and he's very consistent week to week with like seven catches, 80 yards. He's not going to win you weeks, but I still think there's a very high floor with Jarvis Landry that you don't get anywhere else in that yeah. range. So I still I, like I him. think it's completely draft dependent on like where your team is, but I just don't see the upside with Landry. Like I think he's very oh, okay, safe. Yeah. But if you have, like, if you're drafting upside, there's many other guys that I would take above him. But let's move on um, to the QB my guys. Um, I'm going to start with mine. My QB my guy is Josh Allen. Um, I'm so high on the Bills offense this year. And I don't think you're as high as me, but I think Josh Allen also uh, has that rushing floor that is needed in the uh, quarterback uh, or uh, in a good quarterback for fantasy. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And we don't think Stephon Diggs is going to be great for his output, but he definitely helps Josh Allen. Yeah, I like Josh Allen. I just don't have him as high as you do. I think there's going to be weeks where he just has complete duds. And like while you're not drafting him to be like an every-week starter, you can still put other guys. I think there are other quarterbacks going in the same range and behind him that are more matchup-proof than he is. But the ceiling weeks for Josh Allen are definitely pretty damn high. I don't think he will have many does because of the rushing floor. That's fair. But, like, there could be some games where he just throws for, like, 100 yards, and it's just bad. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me last year that he was very consistent for a long stretch, even with worse receivers, because he was able to get 50 to 60 rushing yards a game. He was pretty consistent throwing for at least one to two touchdowns. He's a very good player, and I think that he will improve in year three with his accuracy that hasn't been great in years past, and he has another great toy with Stefan Diggs on his hands. Um, So I think that – and he also has those rushing touchdowns that a lot of the quarterbacks don't have going in this range. Yeah, and he's going late enough where you can take a shot on him, and if he doesn't work out, you can cut him and not feel too bad about it. So I, I like that. It's fine. Um, I per, I'm i not a believer in Josh Allen as a player. I know you like him more than I do. So if he makes the improvement that you think and a lot of people think he can make, then he could end up being a great Yeah, pick. And then I want to just quickly shout out Carson Wentz as another guy that I want to target. I mean, I chose Allen to over him but it was like a last second decision because Allen's like lower and like guys are very high on Carson Wentz so I wanted to point out Allen's positivities um let's move on to your QB my guys so my first guy is Matt Ryan and we kind of talked about this with Calvin Ridley 
they were going to pass the ball so much. And because I don't think their defense is very good. And if they are constantly in game scripts where they have to throw the ball, like you, you don't have to be the best quarterback to be like a top fantasy quarterback. And Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. He has two, in my opinion, elite receivers. The running game isn't that great. And I think he should be around 300 yards and a couple touchdowns every single game. And he's definitely going to have those ceiling games where he gets into a, I don't know, 42 to 45 shootout yeah. where he just has monster numbers. So I love him. And then do you want to shout out one other guy? Yeah, my other guy is like basically the same thing as him. And it's Matthew Stafford of the Lions. I, the reason I chose Matt Ryan over him is because I think the Lions are going to have a stronger run game than the Falcons will. I think their offensive line is slightly better, and I think they have better running backs. But Matthew Stafford, when he was playing last year, was just slinging it. He's high efficiency, a lot of air yards per target. He has two jump ball receivers that get touchdowns in uh, Kenny Galladay and Mike, no, Mike, Marvin Williams. Yeah, Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jones ah. Jr., yes. Uh, Jr., sorry. <laughs> Um, so when the Lions are in the red zone, they like to throw it a lot, which is good for quarterbacks. Not necessarily great for a guy like DeAndre Swift, but the upside is there for Matthew Stafford, but I prefer Matt Ryan. Currently. Yeah. I mean, all four guys we mentioned are going late enough where they're like, where you're going to have other good players on your team. I like all four guys that we have. I like Stafford and Ryan as well. So yeah, that's it for QB My Guys. And thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be uh, on here next week doing another mock draft. Um, see ya.